Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm Chuck. Today's episode is brought to you by Lower Gentry Studios. Lower Gentry Studios specializes in high quality content at a low cost. There is an upcoming web series entitled Canyon County that's set to debut in December. You'll be able to find that on Lower Gentry Studios' YouTube channel. Today, I chat with Zoe Kelly. She is the lead actress in Canyon County, and she has also received uh, several awards here in the Treasure Valley for her performances. She talks a lot about how she has become such a strong actress. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Zoe. I appreciate you having me today. You're very welcome. I appreciate you coming out. <laughs> uh, so you are an actor, actress, female actor. Correct. You're here in the Treasure Valley. Mm-hmm. And you might possibly be one of the most heavily awarded female <laughs> actors in the Treasure Valley. Perhaps. <laughs> so to give people a little bit of background, um, the Lower Gentry Studios, the last two productions that we've actually played in front of audiences, you have won Best Actor Award for. Yeah, I have. So the first one was uh, for I-48, mm-hmm. and that was Continued Loyalty. You won Best Actress for that one. Yeah. And then the next one was for Brown Truck. We uh, debuted that at Twin Falls Sandwiches Film Festival, which was a lot of fun. And then at the end of that, uh, the film won an award, but you also won Best Actress. Yeah. How do you do it? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, I think a huge part of it has to do with the quality of writing. Um, A good actor or actress can have their own set of tools that they use every time. But if the production and the script isn't up to par, then there's really only so much a good actor can do. In my opinion, I could be wrong. But in my experience, I've had great performances with good quality writing. And I've had uh, less than great performances with really bad writing. That's And I haven't changed really anything in my toolbox and my skill set, my character okay. work. Well, let's say that the writing's out of your control. Yeah. What do what what do you recommend? Here's Here's one of the things that's that uh, I learned just from watching you act. So we, we played opposite each other in, in Brown Truck, which uh, we, uh, Lower Gentry and my brother and my infinite wisdom, um, you know, uh, we, we just plowed ahead, zero budget, got everybody involved, and you were the only one that, that was an actual actor. And at that point, I thought I was a pretty decent actor, but I didn't know. And I think a lot of people don't understand, don't understand the work behind acting. It's almost like uh, everybody can sing, everybody has a voice, everybody thinks that they can get on camera and they can say things and be compelling, but there is a huge amount of work that goes into the background to actually act well. What do you do? Oh, uh, yeah, that's one of my pet peeves actually is that a lot of people think that they can just be an actor and they don't take training and they don't practice. And it really bothers me because I see so many people that have a dream, but they don't know or they aren't willing to put the time and effort in. So I've been acting since I was six. Um, What was your first gig? (laughs) My first gig was in Butte, Montana 
And it was, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a musical. And it was a compilation of a bunch of famous Broadway songs with a really loose plot line going through the whole thing. And I nice. was You recognize that at the age of six. <laughs> You're like, I don't know about this. This does not follow the Disney plot line that I'm used to. This is pretty loose here. Yeah. What, were, were you, what part did you play? Uh, I was part of the kids ensemble. Uh, I remember that at first they had us playing a different character and then towards the end the director was freaking out and he's like no the kids will just be cats and so I remember being like no I'm not a cat okay I'm a cat now okay and I was just part of the ensemble my favorite part was during one of the songs I don't know what song it was. I was lifted up into the air by one of the actresses and spun around. And that was like the best thing in the world. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember that moment with that first applause. Okay. Looking out past the stage lights and seeing the audience and knowing my mom and dad were out there and just getting applauded. It filled me with like a rush. That I'd never felt before, and I was hooked. So. Wow, at six. At six, you yeah. You got hooked. I got you hooked. You got the bug at six years old. Wow. I did, so. That's a good age to start a, an addiction. Exactly, you know, yeah. You're never going to get clean. It'll follow you for the rest of your life. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So so you practice a lot. I went to yeah. the iActors forum just recently, and I watched you perform, and these are the things that most people don't understand about actors. It's not like you get a part and then you read the part and then practice the part and then do the part. It's it's kind of an ongoing process where you're just acting to yourself, right? Yeah. You, you set your phone up and you watch yourself and you, you do the work behind the scenes constantly to keep yourself fresh, yes? Absolutely. I think it's, um, like Matt Melton would say, similar to working out. He ran the actor's workout. Mm -hmm. And if you are a marathon runner and then you don't run for six months, you're not going to be able to run a marathon. So I view my acting as a workout. I do it daily. Um, and I am always setting goals for myself, adding to my monologue repertoire, practicing cold reads, and just really putting the time in because it brings me joy. And if I don't do that, I get rusty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you recommend people do to start if they want to be if they want to act, if they want to do it? How do you recommend that they manage and build that skill set? My first recommendation would be uh, get connected with your local community. Because I could tell you to do 20 different things, but if you're not in the Treasure Valley, you might not be able to take advantage of those same things. So get plugged into your community. And do it. Go to auditions. I've met actors that have been on one audition in their life. I've been on probably over 100 auditions, and I've probably booked maybe 15 or 20 of those gigs. Oh. So just doing it and putting yourself out there is the first big step. Classes are also super important. Even if you have to pay $20, $50, $100 to get a good, reputable class from a repertory theater like Idaho Shakespeare, Boise Contemporary, that has really elevated my talent level just by studying and learning from people and then watching people. So that's, that's the biggest way I learned in the beginning is I would be ensemble or a small bit in a theater production, but I would watch the leads. I would mm -hmm. watch the choices they made. I would watch the work they would do. I'd ask them questions and just learn from people who are better than you and be humble. 
because you're not going to be good from the get-go. Yeah, don't be upset if you don't get the lead the first time. Yeah, because you're not going to. And if you do, then you're damn lucky. Or a male. (laughs) Just because there's not a lot of guy actors. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That makes... Okay. Uh, So when when do you get to be that actor that throws the tantrum then? Like how much practice and how much work do you have to have before you just... You throw the tantrum and you demand things. Are um, you there yet? Do you feel like you've reached that point? No, I think you have to reach the point where you don't <laughs> want to be. to work with. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, I'm making a joke. <laughs> Obviously, that's the ultimate goal, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Being able to throw fit and be booked again. <laughs> and have everybody do whatever it is that you're demanding in the moment. I want sugar in this coffee, damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. <sighs> so who do, you, who, do you, who do you look up to as far as acting? is concerned like um, who, do you, who do you do you emulate do you try to emulate one person do you pull from a lot of different people what do you watch like that's how do you learn from watching that's my question yeah I um now that I'm a little bit more of a mature actor I definitely uh enjoy Philip Seymour Hoffman's work I think yeah, that he he is awesome have you seen Love Liza no, oh, okay. not yet. That one is that one is crazy. What did you watch? I've well, the one that hooked me was uh, his performance in Capote. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, like that was pretty awesome. And he's a chameleon, so I've seen him in a couple different things, mm-hmm. and every character is a different person. Yeah. So Mission Impossible Three was like, like he made that movie. Did you see that one? I haven't seen. Oh, it Oh my yet, gosh, he but was Bradley the bad guy. Bradley talks about it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the bad guy in that one. He's awesome. Yeah. He and Daniel Day-Lewis, mm. they're just cut from the same cloth. It's those actors that become different people. And I'm not quite there yet. Okay. I, I understand that I have room to grow and I'm, I'm missing something. Yeah. And that's why I practice and that's why I stay humble and keep working and try to learn from people because I want to be at that level. Yeah. And I will. I just have to keep practicing. Well, what were the lessons that you've learned so far that were super important? I think a lot of it... I was talking to Bradley about this last night. I think a lot of it is I have tools to help me access emotions and to understand scene goals and to do the work on the page mm-hmm. um, and do the work, the character work in the background and the history of the character. I think what I'm missing is a lot of the technical training. You know, I've never been to um, a university. So a lot of the vocal work that they do. I haven't had any training in that. Okay. Um, that's all been self-training. And What is the vocal work? I'm not... Just, I don't know. Have you seen... So you've seen Capote and then you've seen Mission Impossible 3. Yeah, yeah. The voice that Philip Seymour Hoffman uses for both those characters, they're two totally different people. Oh, yeah. And they're consistent. And the affectations that he has on certain words and in certain situations, I don't have that kind of nuance yet in my vocal abilities. Got it. I have a heavier training in physical performance. Okay. So I feel more confident. Like Pratt Falls and things like that. (laughs) Definitely Pratt Falls. (laughs) You've seen that? (laughs) I can fall gracefully or not gracefully. You pick. Hard or soft. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. So the physical comedy aspect you got, it's just you got to do work on your impersonation skills. Yeah, something like that. I think that's ultimately where in my self-observation, I can improve myself currently. So that's my goal right now. Cool. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do next to to reach that? 
Well, I just enrolled for college, so I'm hoping to be able to take um, a few classes, voice um, for the performer, uh, and certain things like that that'll really help me learn how to do that. Because unfortunately, I haven't been able to find like a community-offered class uh, yeah. in that vein. So I'm hoping the university will help me cool. hone those skills. Then you can learn it, and then you can charge people to come <laughs> to your class. Exactly. <laughs> Nice. Make some money, pay off the tuition. Nice. Yeah. So the most recent, the most recent thing I think that you've done is Canyon County, correct? Our production mm -hmm. of Canyon County, Lower Gentry's mm -hmm. Canyon County. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? You actually helped with the writing process on that. Uh, this is coming out in December. For any of you that are listening, that are interested in watching Zoe perform, uh, what was what was helpful in that process? Being a part of the writing and then the acting. On top of that, did you prefer that? Would you prefer just to be directed? Would you prefer to be written around? What what's what do you think? I think both have their pros and cons, but I definitely really like the experience of writing a character and then becoming the character. Because as you're writing, you envision the character and mm -hmm. you know more about her back history as the script would dictate. You're not going off and doing your own actorly thing. You know. You know what her background is because you wrote her. Um, you created her, essentially. I mean, for Ashlyn in Canyon County, when we were writing it, I always imagined her wearing a red blazer. And as So that's a good baseline. <laughs> You're like, let's, let's do the outfits. We'll get the outfits squared away. I think how we present ourselves says a lot about who we are as a person. So... Mm -hmm. No, that, I agree with that completely. That helped informed her, inform her a lot as mm -hmm. a person to me. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It was a lot easier to do the scene work because I already knew what Ashlyn's scene goals were. Yeah. I already knew why the scene was written, what purpose it served in the overall or arcing story. I didn't really have to do as much work because I had already done it in the writing. So it was really nice. I thought it was great. And then just to see her character come to life and be able to give the life to the character, it's really special. I hope to be able to do it again. That's cool. What's your favorite part? Of the web series? No, of, of your favorite part that you've played. My so favorite far. part I've ever played. Oh, my goodness. That's a really hard question. Hmm. They all give you something special, but so far my favorite part I've ever had the privilege of playing is uh, Columbia and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, okay. I saw that movie when I was 12 against my parents' wishes. Oh, and how'd you sneak that in? Well, I was left home alone a lot, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> my mom is so That's weird. That's funny. Yeah. My oh, you can't, you can't watch this, but we're not going to supervise you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My mom was like, don't watch these movies until you're older. So then, of course, oh. I was like, sweet watching this movie today. <laughs> or the liquor, liquor cabinet. Stay yeah. out of that one, too. Same. <laughs> Had a shot of vodka and Rocky Horror. <laughs> nice. At 12, you knew how to do it right. <laughs> no, and it just, Rocky Horror really influenced my self-acceptance hmm. and my... What do you mean by that? Um. Well, I I came out as bisexual when I was 13 mm -hmm. and I already was having some of those feelings at 12, 12 and a half. Yeah. And I didn't understand them. And by watching Rocky Horror, it's just like, you can love whoever you love. You can be whoever you want to be, you know, 
don't dream it, be it. I don't know. It just made me be like, I can be whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can love whoever I want. And it really just opened my eyes to the LGBT community and to... There's a lot more. That acronym got enormously long recently, just so you know. (laughs) So I'm extremely offended that you didn't hit every single letter on that. LGBT dot dot dot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's huge. Do you think that... uh, Seriously, do you think that that's important for a lot of the a lot of young people out there like adolescents I do I really do Uh, my mom's always been really active in the LGBT dot 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 community Mm -hmm. and it's different having your mom introduce you to her gay friends or her drag queen friends and Mm -hmm. take you out to pride than it is seeing yourself represented in pop culture I I know that it's controversial but I'm a really big advocate for uh, diversity on the screen because yeah. as in your formative years, not hearing it from your parents and seeing it, it makes a bigger impact on your self identity. Okay. I think. Why? What do you? What do you think? What do you think the reason behind that is? I guess I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's just there's there's something to be said for having art that encourages you to accept yourself. I mean, that's a journey every teenager has to go on. I'm not just saying LGBTQ people, but every teenager. I mean, as a young man, you, I'm sure, saw plenty of films that had a cis white male (laughs) as the lead character that you could relate to. There are a couple. So I, I think it's important to see yourself represented in the media. Because yeah. then you're not, maybe you feel more included in a community. Is perhaps. it that? Is it that external inclusion? Is that what you mean as far as like outside of your normal social group? I think it's both. Okay. Because for me, Rocky Horror helped me accept myself. I mean, I hadn't told anyone this when I first watched the film, but it was, yeah. oh, these feelings I'm having are okay. Mm-hmm. The world isn't ending. Yeah. And you can be whoever you want, so... I think it is important to see that represented. Okay. Well, who's who do you think should be represented more right now? Hmm. I think transgender uh, people should be represented more. I heard about a movie where a cis female actress is going to be playing a transgender role. And she ba- she bailed on it, I think. Oh, did she? Ah, uh, wasn't that? Uh, Was that Scarlett Johansson? Or? I, th- I think Scarlett Johansson backed out. I think. Well, good. I mean, a transgender actress should be playing that role. I mean, that kind of stuff does bother me. Well, that shouldn't be her decision to make, though. I don't think. Who? Scarlett? Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like you get offered a job. Like, are you going to turn down a job if you get offered a job? You know what I'm saying? I guess it depends on your moral standing and what's Mm. more important to you. Mm -hmm. Morals or money. Yeah. The classic paradigm. Which, I mean, the director should probably, or whoever's in charge oh, yeah. of casting. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And and do you think that it would increase or decrease attendance to the, the money? Mm, I think it would, if there was a transgender actress playing the lead role, it would increase a certain amount of audience yeah. participation. But I think perhaps another sector would decrease. I think, you know, it's a give and take. Got it. Is it? I don't think there's. Well, there's a there's a transgender actor actress actor in 
isn't there a Netflix web series or something like that? Yeah, Orange is the New Black okay. has, um, oh, what's her name? Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but yeah. And she's been in a couple other productions as a transgender actress. And so in my opinion, we have people with the skill set. We have people that are talented. Let's use them. Yeah. But. Just to help the people that are going through that in their own minds and find external Role models. Role models. Absolutely. I think it's very important. So that they understand that it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Self-acceptance. And then a bigger external acceptance and seeing that you're part of a community. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just a white guy. It's, it's <laughs> you hard don't for get me an to, opinion. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> it's hard for me to, to, to imagine that those types of things, like, uh, as far as, you know, what, not seeing myself represented yeah. in, in, in the media on a wider scale. Uh, that's, that's cool. I didn't know that about you, that, the that, uh, the, the play Rocky Horror Picture was, was something that, that got you going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was, so what was that role like for you when you played in it? So, uh, this was actually my first show after high school theater. Mm -hmm. I auditioned for Stagecoach Theater in the Treasure Valley, and I had never auditioned for anything before. I went in there, I sang two songs, really unknown, uh, kind of underground musical theater songs, because people love to see that. Yeah. Makes you seem cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I included a soft tap a dance number in one of the songs because Columbia has to do a tap routine. Mm -hmm. And I basically just put my best foot forward and was like, please cast me. This is my dream role. Yeah. And they did. Sweet. And I got to meet all these wonderful people. And my character work starts really physically mm -hmm. uh, just because that's where most of my training is. Yeah. So I come up with a um, point of energy, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it was her hips. And so I got this really like slithering like walk with her and um, it was just an experience I will never forget. I mean, I'm a germaphobe, little known fact. Okay. And Frankenverter, the main man, has mm. these large, long, late, or like pleather boots, right? Okay. And we're taking cast pictures and I'm down by his boot holding his leg and inside my mind I'm like I should lick his boot uh, and then I'm like oh my god though but germs yeah and then like my inner Columbia was like I don't care and then I just like licked his boot for this picture <laughs> and it turned out so cool I don't know it just it was a really great experience really freeing that's cool yeah what about film What's your favorite film role that you've done? That's hard. I really want to say my favorite film role thus far. I'm like going through my resume in my head. I want to say it's Iola in We Speak by Laura yeah. Gentry. There was something about Iola. I think it was how close she was to me as a person. Yeah. That really connected me with her. And I mean, you saw the footage. I was so, it was so easy to access those emotions. I mean, in, in one of the scenes, I cry and I didn't even mean to cry. I, didn't, mm. I wasn't going to cry. I was just so frustrated that these tears started pouring out of my eyes. And it was just, I felt really connected with her and her story. And was it, was it closer to you than some of the other? Did you not have to step as far out of yourself for that role compared I, to some other ones? or I'd say it was the closest to myself I've ever played, except for some existentialist plays that I've done. Oh, okay. I mean, it was... 
she was me in almost every way. Right on. Yeah. You did a great job in that. And then David was opposite you. Yeah. So that was a production where instead of playing opposite me, an untrained actor, <laughs> you get to play opposite somebody that, that is had, really good. Yeah, that has <laughs> practiced his craft quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, so for those for those that are listening that don't know We Speak, it's uh, a film that we're actually in the process of submitting to film festivals. So hopefully it'll be coming out uh, soon. And uh, you'll be able to see Zoe uh, play opposite David. I have a small part in that. And then uh, Hannah Jane Austen has, a, has another. We have a few other odds and ends in there, too. A few other people that have small roles. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun yeah. to put that one together. And it was super simple, too, the way it was shot. We just kind of did it in this house. We used this room, this beautiful room that, that I have uh, blankets hanging on the walls for at least one of the scenes. Uh, yeah. This is our sound studio. Our sound <laughs> studio with a moving blanket and a quilt. <laughs> whatever, whatever we need to do at Lower Gentry <laughs> to get content out there. But yeah, you did a great job on that one. Uh, you were playing a uh, a young woman who is just kind of very emotional in a, in a young couple that's extremely emotional. The way that they interact with each other. Yes. Would you say? Yes. And the two of you pulled that off really well. To where, I mean, the dialogue was was well put together, but then you and David did a really good job of, of making sure that there was just a constant, like, flux and emotions going on throughout the whole thing, well, which I think is, is is what brings audience engagement. Yeah. Because you can kind of, at least if you if you don't understand the upsetness, you can understand when, when she's sad, you know, um, and then, that, like, it, it was just kind of a, a film that, that covered the basis of uh, in 60 minutes of what happens in like a semi-dysfunctional relationship, just those steps that you go through. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, and David. The things that we keep doing over and over and over <laughs> again to ourselves. <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe this, yeah, this will be different this next time. <laughs> I mean, I know I went through this exact same process with somebody before this, but this person's different. Yeah. And David's just so talented. I mean, that's a powerhouse actor. And, and being able to work off of someone like that really um, enhances your performance as well. I mean, that that's one of the bigger challenges besides poor writing is poor scene partners. Yeah. When you don't have someone to give you that energy and to feed off of and to really inspire choices, it just makes your job – it's like you're carrying a dead weight around. It makes your job 10 times harder. So I was really, really fortunate. I think that's one of the reasons I love that so much. And you did awesome. And Thank you do you. theater. Mm-hmm. And what do, you, what do you think people need to – because we've, we've coached some, some actors. There's a ton of actors here locally that are involved in theater. Yeah. Um, and then there are a, a handful that are involved in film. Um, I would say not as many. Maybe I'm wrong. The film actors – the theater actors outweigh the the film actors. Yeah. And there's a different vibe. Um, when we go to the actors forum, a lot of those are, are theater actors mm-hmm. and the way that they project and, uh, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you recommend people that are trying to switch from one to the other or get practice and one to the other keep in mind? Yeah, it is a totally different skill set going from theater to film. Um, I personally believe that if you want to be the best actor you can be, you should do both mm-hmm. because the more you practice, the better you get. And there are certain things that are the same between the two. Yeah. Such as? Such as? Memorizing your lines. Getting off book. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty important. Yeah. Um, 
character work. Character work is the exact same. Finding the energy of your character, the physicality is a little different. Mm-hmm. Because in film, you want to be a little more realistic, depending on the genre of your film, I suppose. Uh, but generally speaking. Um, and uh, volume, projection, enunciation yeah. is much more important in theater. Yeah. Film, you can really... If you over-enunciate, you sound like a goofball sometimes. You do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The camera magnifies everything. Yeah. Because it's not very often in theater that you're sitting 12 inches from somebody's face. Exactly. So I think my best advice for someone that wants to switch between the two is really, I have kind of a checklist for both of them. Uh, really? Yeah, Why just, don't you post this online in like a in, in an article? Oh shoot! <laughs> just how many points are you willing to give up free, and then you can five ninety nine for the rest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say three easy payments of nineteen ninety five or whatever. There we go. Yeah. Upsell. Um, no, I think it's it's really projection, mm-hmm. enunciation, and larger body movements for theater. Okay. For film subtlety yeah because you'd be surprised how much people can see just in your eyes yeah and you don't... keeping in mind that you need to do those things too yeah while the camera's on you yeah is crucial just blank stare yeah because a lot of times yeah a lot of times it can be you know i i'm just looking on the outside it's hard to keep all that stuff having acted on camera it's hard to keep all that stuff on the forefront of your mind which is why practice is so crucial i think yeah. Because the times that I've done it and I've been opposite you, I'm watching you do things and I'm I'm like, I need to try to keep that in my mind so that I can emulate that stuff. And then you, you can only keep like three things there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all trial and error. I also think if you're doing film work, watch yourself on film. I mean, there's so many actors that are like, oh, I can't watch myself on the film. I feel so awkward. I'm like, uh, well, it's probably because you're doing a bad job and you should watch it to get better. There you go. Like, I hate to be so blunt, but it's that's the truth. You have to watch yourself. You are your own best director. Only you know how to communicate with yourself. Find those insecurities and bring them out and yeah. then just hammer away at them. Look at them. Nice. Fix what them. was the biggest insecurity that you overcame while you were on camera? No, uh, you don't have to share that if you don't want to, but no. I'm, I'm curious. In Brown Truck, um, I'm sure you remember, that was my first film project I ever did. Yeah. Brown and... Truck was uh, just real quick so we can go <laughs> explain. Brown Truck is a sci-fi film. We s- debuted that uh, last year at Twin Falls Sandwiches. And so hopefully that'll be coming out uh, soon here. We have some ideas on how we want to release that. Um, we're kind of up in the air on which route we want to go. But eventually the goal is to get it online for people to be able to download it, possibly pay. Maybe it'll be free. Who knows? Um, but that's a sci-fi about the singularity. It's kind of a cool concept. But anyway, so you were watching yourself on that. That was your first. Was that your first big Roll on camera? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I had done a few commercials before then that were like pulling teeth. And I think uh. it was for the same reason. I, as a theater actor, tended to over-emote. Okay. So even in the best scene of mine, the interview scene, yes, I watch myself now and I'm still like, I am over-emoting. I am... When we talk... As people face to face, we don't wear every emotion on our sleeve. We hide emotions more than we express express emotions. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing I learned as an actor after Brown Truck is uh, in theater. 
melodrama especially, you're putting it all out there. Oh, I'm sad. I'm happy. You know, and it's because the audience it's just like is like primary so, colors. Right. It's primary colors. Yeah. Exactly. Because there's no those. subtlety. Yeah. Because the audience is so far away. So in watching Brown Truck, I saw my lack of subtlety and I, it was easy to quickly adjust it. Continued loyalty was the next thing that I did on film that was yeah worth any significance. And then it was it was a lot more subtle. You're right. So much more subtle. I mean, there's a point, Hannah Jane Austen, my best friend and uh, actor in We Speak, said, I saw a point where you squinted your eyes just slightly mm-hmm. and all of the subtext came out in just that one thing. Because the audience in film is more willing to project their own ideas of subtext and emotion. You don't have to work that hard. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, that goes with a lot of different things with the camera angles and, uh, but yeah, the subtlety in the acting is, is true. So do you think about that? Leaving it like the, like the slate blank for people? Is that something that you actively try to do? Sometimes, especially with Ashlyn, I did. It just depends on how closed off my character is. Okay. How, how much, what do you mean by that? Closed off? How much a person is willing to emote varies from person to person. So I'm very expressive. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Mm. I, there's no hiding (laughs) very often. But a person like Ashlyn from Canyon County, the web series would hide a lot more, especially given everything she's been through. She's stuffy. She's stuffy. She's really stuffy. Yeah. So she has this veneer that is Mm -hmm. constantly on. And that informed a lot of my performance and how much I emoted. Whereas Iola Mm -hmm. wears her emotions on her sleeve as well. So I chose moments that I would mask what I was really feeling. And then other moments I just ended up crying because I was so frustrated. Yeah. How How do you make those decisions? Like so, so you we're just talking about the the two large projects that we worked on, mm-hmm. and Iola is closer to yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, Ashlyn is not anywhere near the way that you express yourself. No. So how do you how do you decide in in that? Do you do it in the moment? Like what? Yeah, it's definitely. I heard a quote one time, I can't remember where, but 98% of the actor's work happens internally and 2% happens externally. Okay. So I do all the character work. I write out pages. So you got to eat well. What? You got to eat well. Got to eat well. Because all exercise. that's internal. <laughs> exactly. I'm still working on my joke material. 10%. <laughs> Sweet. Off the cuff. All right. But anyway, so 2% is extra. What is that? I don't... What does that mean? So 2% is what you emote externally. Okay. 98% is knowing where your character comes from, their background, their life experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And when you're present in the moment, making those choices is a lot easier. So I ground myself really heavily mm. and I make a very conscious effort to be present with my scene partner. Um, because if they're giving me something, I might react differently than how I read it in my head and practiced at home. Okay. So that's... What do you do before you start shooting or before you go on stage? Like, how do you get yourself in, in character? Do you have tricks that you're willing to share with I people? I do. Yeah. It's kind of a long process. I read the script three times. And... Every day? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just at first. Okay. Yeah. So I read the script three times. 
Uh, my third time, twice for content, my third time I get a notebook, I write what the script says about me and what I say about me. You mark your scripts up a ton. <laughs> yeah, I do. Just so people know this. <laughs> like you mark it up. I've never uh, worked with somebody that marks their script up as much as you do. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, so that's probably, I, I think, I mean, that speaks well to like a process that works. And, and it might not be the same for everybody. But for you, it's, it's really important. Like you make a ton of notes. Yes. Obviously, I'm guessing because you don't want to forget it later yeah. on and, and you want to be able to reference that your your immediate thoughts are I guess it's not even immediate because this is the third time that you read it right so you write so you write on the script what you think um the, the character is and then on your notebook you write what you are are thinking or what so on a piece of notebook paper I analyze the text and okay. I say oh the text says cat girl for example mm -hmm. is a superhero. So I write down superhero. Mm -hmm. And then a line of dialogue of cat girls says, I'm strong. So mm -hmm. I write down, what do I think? I'm strong. So then I analyze the whole text from oh, front to okay. back, what the text informs my character. Okay. Then I write a character background, usually two to 10 pages depending on how inspired I'm feeling that matches your little table that matches the chart exactly okay so you actually take you, you do two columns <laughs> yeah and then you write what's factually true about the character correct and then any type of dialogue that states how that character feels about him, herself correct okay do you want me to keep going there's a lot well, no more. <laughs> this is this is interesting yeah. This is this is probably why I I need some help. The times that I was on screen, <laughs> you know, I'm just like I'll just say this naturally as naturally as possible. Apparently, there's more in, that goes into that. Just a skosh. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, Elliot, when he wrote the parts that I I played, like it was basically close to myself. So, yeah. So that was that was super easy. It was like a big crutch. You did exceedingly well and continued loyalty as my scene partner as the corrupt mayor. I thought that was a really good typecast for you. Oh, well, yeah, I was uh, a previous life corrupt mayor. Yeah, just kind of seedy. Yeah, like, yeah. Just... seedy, corrupt, <laughs> whatever. Self-absorbed. Yeah, that's, that was all previous life stuff. Totally not that way any longer. I got over that in the afterlife and then the return. Uh, I'm, you I'm, did really well, though. I'm over that. But anyway, uh, so you, you have a table. Yeah. You have two columns. Correct. Okay, so that's where you start. Yes. Okay, then what? Then I write a whole character bio detailing the moment they were born until the script begins. Okay. Which takes a while. Or do you ever make any wild choices? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and how do you decide if that fits in your table of stuff that was already present in the for whoever wrote the script? I... Take context clues. Okay. I'm a behaviorist, so if one of my characters... I'm a behaviorist. Oh, my goodness. Stop it. See, I'm not just a cis white male. <laughs> we can't... I'm also a behaviorist. What percentage <laughs> of the population is that? That's a good point. Yeah. But... I need a behaviorist. Can you play a behaviorist, please, on screen so that I can <laughs> feel okay admitting it in front of people? Um... <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. But I... Uh... If my character is crazy, right? So one of the people are like, oh, she's crazy. Yeah. Then I'm like, well, something crazy must have happened to her. 
Okay. What made her so crazy? She wasn't born unstable. How did she get unstable? So you're taking context clues from other people, other characters' mm -hmm. input in the script into yeah. that character, and then you're you're using that information to come up with a reason why. Yeah. That's cool. Like, for example, Columbia. Yeah, example. yeah. Uh, Columbia in Rocky Horror Show. Okay. Uh, she has a lover, Eddie. Okay. And in this certain production, Eddie was a bit older than me. Right? Okay. And he rides a motorcycle and he's dangerous. Yeah. And Columbia, I was 21 at the time. Mm -hmm. It looked 16. Yeah. Uh, was this baby face, little, like, seemingly innocent girl. So I decided she was born in a small town. She was 17, but she told everyone she was 20. Okay. And she ran away from home and she linked up with Eddie and chaos ensued. Uh, so. Okay. So he was the he was the way out. Yeah, yeah. So she I'm was like, just why? following him around, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm like, uh, why would she be with Eddie? Like that was one of the questions. Why, why, why Eddie? Okay. I don't get it. She's it's why Eddie, and that was my reason why she hated her super religious mother, and she just needed to get out, and he was her her ticket out of town. I bet you do this with with a lot of different characters that you don't even play. <laughs> You do this all Sometimes. the time, don't you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's your what's your favorite uh, what's your favorite character on film that that everybody would know about? My favorite character on film, or one of your favorites? I love I'm... Poison Ivy and Batman. Really? It's like a thing. Uma Thurman? Yes. Oh wow! I, I know, know that one. So <laughs> she was in she was in Batman Forever, right? Yes. That was the Val Kilmer one. Yes. With Jim Carrey <laughs> as the Riddler, who was awesome. I know. I don't think they put the nipples on the Batman suit at that point yet. I think that was the Clooney thing. And then it killed the franchise. Or it was Joel. I don't know if it was the nipples that killed the franchise. I liked it. Or it was, yeah. Oh, George. He's so dreamy. Oh, dear. He still had that head bobbling thing going on at that point in time, yeah, though, did. I think. He, he did in left, every frame. Just, just, just the ER. Uh, I don't know, Robin. Um, but anyway, so poison. I did you come up? Well, see, that's that. I was gonna try to figure out an example where you could, where you actually did that by watching a movie. But everybody, like Poison Ivy, has like a a background because she's a a villain, right? And they take care in that, like in yeah. in the DC and the Marvel universe, they make sure everybody has. Do you have an example of someone that you watch and you're like, oh, this is this must be what happened to it? Is it like a knee jerk? No, I don't think I have one off the top of my head okay. that everyone would recognize. No. Okay. Sometimes they come to me, but I just, I don't jot them down. Oh, okay. I'm like, ooh, that probably happened. I don't know. I think that's why I like writing as well, because mm -hmm. a lot of writing is character development. I'm very good at coming up with character development and their back history. It's one of my hobbies. Oh. Well, I mean, good. I have some characters that aren't in any movies that have their own lives. Oh, nice. <laughs> but they will find their way in a movie one day. <laughs> I was going to say, if you have too many personalities going on, there's medication for that, just so you know. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I, know, I know a psychiatric nurse. <laughs> but no, you don't want to stifle the creative process. Acting is my therapy. Just let that, just let that all out there. That's cool. Yeah. So you, you have... Uh, I was actually talking with, with Elliot about this um, recently um, yeah. on the podcast, and I don't know if what the order this is going to air. And he was talking about the writing process and how important characterization is to that mm -hmm. because you don't, you, you don't 
connect with anything, any, any type of fiction, unless you identify with the character. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, and so... And so, like you were saying earlier, even even in in major in mass media, if you have somebody that that you can uh, relate to, it makes you feel better about yourself, yeah. and then you're gonna you're gonna enjoy that story a lot more. And so he was talking about when he was writing, that was a big epiphany for him that he was gonna put himself in in someone else's shoes, um, which came a lot later, which which I think maybe maybe actors have uh, an advantage on some of those writers then when it comes to that because it sounds like you do that process inherently or did, did you have an epiphany as well when you realized that you need to kind of throw yourself into that that other area mentally before you approach something rather than how you would do something um no I've always been highly empathetic ever since I was very 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 young um one of my favorite stories my mom likes to tell is we were in a Kmart and I was four yeah and this little girl was crying and then I looked at my mom and I was crying and I'm like, mommy, why is the little girl crying? <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I've always had a innate ability to imagine what life would be like as other people. I, I, wow. I, I don't want to guess why, but. <laughs> well, no, there's actually, so I, I, I've read a study about this. Really interesting. No, wait. Um, there, maybe it was a, I don't know if it was a podcast or a, or a, a paper. I get everything confused now because I just consume. <laughs> Too much everybody's media. just everybody's just like consuming. I like sit in front of a screen for like probably ninety percent of my waking hours. I don't remember if it's Netflix or if it's Me a too. podcast or whatever. Anyway, so um, the, there are uh, there are people that are that are super empathetic. Obviously, there's a continuum on it. Sure. But but there was this uh, this woman um, that they put into an MRI that couldn't watch people eat. And the reason she couldn't watch people eat was because she would get, she would start to feel full. And so they tested they tested her compared to everyone else, and they would show uh, they would show people getting injured um, on a screen in an MRI, and then her brain would light up as though she was getting hurt. Mm. And it's it's really interesting, and it kind of goes along with with what uh, you were talking about um, identifying with people on screen. If you take a uh, if you show a person being hurt, and to somebody in an MRI and they're the same gender and the same race as the person in the MRI, they're going to have more of an empathetic response in their brain than if it's somebody that doesn't look like them what? or that, that they don't identify with. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense though. Yeah. So, so basically like a majority of people are only empathetic to their own little group is, mm. is kind of the, the uh, hypothesis that they led to after doing those those MRI scans on people, and there wow. are certain people that 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 disassociate with themselves to the extent that their brains are actually letting like feeling that they're chewing and swallowing food. It can it, be that. Isn't that ridiculous. your mirror receptors? Like we all have mirror receptors, mirror neurons, or mirror neurons? Yeah, I, I believe that's what it and is. And then sociopaths, their mirror neurons are like dead or broken, and that's why they have no empathy. Um, well, the thing is, the sociopaths come across as super empathetic, hmm. and that's why they're so they're so tricky. Is that they're really good at emulating that stuff, but they don't necessarily uh, have that 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 internal emotion. That's hmm. why they're so tricky. That's hmm. why you got to watch out for those sociopaths. They're gonna get you. Yeah, they'll get you. <laughs> have you ever played a sociopath? No, that would be uh, that would be outside. Of, if you're challenge. so empathetic, that yeah. would be tough for you. Just I bet I could do it though. Yeah. Like, because isn't that what American Psycho is based off of? He's a sociopath? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
That would be fun. Yeah, Christian Bale, he's another good actor, right? Or how do you... Yeah, no, he's... I don't... I just had such a crush on him as a kid. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, he's so good. <laughs> You're like, oh, I wasn't paying attention to his acting. But those abs. I just, I just loved him running around covered in blood with an axe and no clothes on. He had like 80s like man briefs oh, on, right? Yeah. Yes. Even in that movie. He's just yeah. so attractive. No, he's very talented also, though. Yeah, he's a handsome. He's a handsome devil. Do you, and his teeth. Oh, my gosh. His teeth are so sexy. I didn't notice his teeth. You got to look. Which I should. I mean, in Batman, that's basically all he was showing were his teeth. Yeah. Did you notice his teeth before he played Batman or was it Batman? You're like, Batman. Oh. You're like, what can I? what part of this man's body can I absorb right now? All I have is his mouth. Oh, that's Still perfect, good. too. That's perfect, too. <laughs> Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good sociopath. Yeah, I think that American Psycho, I think that was supposed to be stereotypical. I don't know what type of background work the, the, the writer and director did on that movie, but supposedly it's pretty accurate. Hmm. I don't know. I worked in mental health for years, but fortunately I never ran into any quote-unquote psychopaths, which hmm. they changed the name to like social personality. Oh, yeah. They don't use psychopath anymore. Yeah. Because psychopaths were upset about it <laughs> like you hurt my non-existent feelings <laughs> ouch <laughs> just kidding <laughs> poor psychopaths they, they got a really powerful lobby don't listen if you don't listen to their lobby you're in for it watch out cool so uh canyon county is going to be out soon yes. december by the end of the year um you'll have to be Coming back in here, we have a better studio than this to do sound work for your ADR scenes. It won't just be you in a big room with some blankets on the walls. Uh, what It'll else? just be a closet. Yeah. <laughs> Inside the closet with lots of clothes. It's, it's, it works a lot better than this. Uh, what else do you have coming up? I just was cast in a student film, Into the Haunt. Oh, cool. So I'll be playing a supporting role, uh, Becky, in that production. Cool. Uh, that'll film in September. And then, oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. right soon. Yeah. And then I'm finishing up post-production work for um, Zane the Vampire God, which is by uh, Johnny V Films, I believe. Yeah, Johnny V Productions, I think. Something yeah. like that. Johnny V's awesome. Yes. He does a great job with his, with his lighting, especially. Like, that looked incredible. I, I haven't. St- I've only seen the, the images of it when we were doing your ADR, but I'm yeah. excited to see how you do in that one. Yeah, it's working out well. I uh, reviewed a lot of the ADR for my scenes and for some other people's scenes, and it's actually lining up really well. They have Sweet. a, uh, they probably don't call it a graphic designer, but someone to do the special effects in it, all the mm. magic and stuff. It's looking pretty good. Cool. And uh, so that should be, I believe he started submitting that to film festivals last week. Oh, wow. We should be having a little rough screening first screening private screening of that soon okay and uh i just saw an audition for uh well i just did an audition for katrine mcgregor's uh upcoming she's casting a feature film called paradise pavilion i went out for the lead roles love interest slash supporting lead female role so we'll see we'll see yeah well, you got a lot of stuff going on. Always do. There's a lot of ways people can see you act in your expertise. 
This is true. The number one way I recommend is going to Lower Gentry Studios' channel on YouTube and watching some of your work there. And subscribing. And subscribing as well. <laughs> is there any is there any other locations online where people can see you uh, practice your art? Yeah, I've been uploading some videos of my monologues and um, things like that and my demo reel to uh, my YouTube channel, which is Ms. Zoe Kelly. Cool. Yeah. Well, good. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for coming in today. Thank and, you. And uh, I'll chat with you again soon. All right. Sounds good. Okay.